Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. We've got a little section over here that's for our children when they come in for baptism, so that's going to be fun. Uh, with just a few more minutes, but uh, I want to uh, begin this new series section, really, of the series. As as uh, Lisa mentioned, we're collecting uh, all of these sessions in the in the morning services uh, over the last two months. And what we're going to do is we're going to put them in as a collection of foundational teachings. And so you get to be a part of that um, live recording today. And we're going to collect those, and then we can give them to people uh, who come to us who are new in faith and are looking to understand, looking to find foundations. So we continue in the idea of foundations in this new series called God Is. And today, our topic is God Is Three in One. You sang that just a few minutes ago. We're going to talk about God as a triune God. And here's the big question we're going to start with. It's, it's not, a, you know, it'll be maybe a two-minute discussion. Who is God? That was a joke. It's not really a two-minute discussion. What is it? Like, you think about that one. That, that is a long discussion. Who is God? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you uh, from the Bible and, and from your church what we believe about God. I'll give you some foundations, um, and I'll, I'll show you that in the Scripture. But this is obviously the discussion of life. Who God, who are you? Are you there? What are you doing? And where can I see you? And, and those kind of things. But you know, we join with uh, the majority of Christians in viewing God as a triune God. In other words, we do see him as three in one. We call this the Trinity. Um, and let me give you a statement just to open with that will, um, in, in many ways, put some, some foundation to what I'm saying. There is one God, the creator, who exists eternally in unity as three equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that, what I just said to you, is the baseline of theology of what we would call Trinitarian theology. But sometimes it's hard to understand things when they're just said, right? Like you're just listening um, and I'm just speaking. Let me give you an image that may help reinforce the thoughts in your own mind, okay? So look at this image on the screen. And I want you to see that in the center, that would be sort of a, uh, a classic way to present the Trinity as this, this uh, triangle where the God is Father, God is Spirit, and God is Son. But the exterior circle is very important because what it refers to then is the distinction. There's a unity and a distinction. There is three equal persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So now let me explain the relationship between the Trinity. And I'm diving right in here, but don't worry, we're not, we're not going to get lost. We've got a really good footing here. So let me explain the relationship between the Trinity. Basically, it's this. The Father sent the Son who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of Mary when she was a virgin. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son and gives life throughout creation and draws people to repentance and new life in Jesus Christ. So now I can ask you again, who is God? And you might say, Andy, I'm still really unclear. I am not sure. And you know what? That's fine. Let me tell you why. It's okay, because this is seriously mind-blowing. 
It really is. It's beyond our ability to understand because God exists inside and outside of our human mental capacities. We're dealing with an all-powerful, superior being, and we're looking at him from a vantage point, our own vantage point. And so it's okay to say, I don't fully get it. I can't fully grasp it. It doesn't make sense. And, and may I just assert a little bit further and say, I'm so glad that an infinite God is not completely explainable in my finite mind. I'm so glad that God has not made himself only pocket-sized because I need a God who's bigger than my own reality. Amen? That's what I need. Somebody ought to join that person clapping because that was true. Yeah, I need something that's bigger. And so when we start to define God, we can use terms like God is co-eternal, in other words, existent forever, co-equal, meaning different, distinct, and yet in somehow unified, and co-God. They together are one God. So it's as if you could say God is the same essence, but there are different functions. Now, let me give you a limited example. Any example that we give about God is going to be limited because we're dealing with humanity, right? So let me give you a limited example. It's similar to men and women. There is a co-equal. There is a same essence, many of the same functions, but there are some different functions in some ways. Let's get really practical. I have never given birth to any of our children. Is anybody surprised by that? No, it's actually quite practical. You get the idea. There may be some different functions, yet we are equal. Lisa and I, we're equal. Another way to understand God is to say that God is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. And when we start to look into the Bible, when we open up the Bible, we begin at the beginning the very first verses begin to help us see the powerful, creative God that we are trying to understand here. So look at these verses with me, Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning. So that's when our time began, not God's, because he existed eternally. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So you might look at that verse and you say, okay, I see God, I see Father, maybe, Creator, and then I see Holy Spirit, but I'm not sure I see Trinity. Well, let me just help you understand that when God is speaking here, he is speaking in plural. And when we see God as the Trinity here, we are also seeing a special mention of the Holy Spirit. But let me reveal the Trinity in creation because this is a very clear image in creation. So we're still in Genesis 1. We're going to look at verse 26. Now, after all the creation had been done and Adam and Eve were going to be created, this is what the Bible says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. This is a plural use. Why? Because God coexists. He is co-equal. He is co-eternal, co-God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, did you know that there is a New Testament creation narrative? It's found in one of the Gospels. In other words, we're looking at the very beginning of the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, there is a creation narrative. It's quite interesting. It's John's writing, and he's talking about Jesus, but he says this, in the beginning. He starts just like Genesis does. He says, in the beginning was the Word, 
Now we learn later on in, the, in verse 14 that this word is the son who came from the father. That's what verse 14 says. But here it says just was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. So what do we see here? If we're looking at creation, we see the Father is created through speaking. He says, let there be light, and it is. He's creating through speaking. The Son, Jesus, who is the Word, is carrying out the Creator's decrees. And the Spirit is sustaining and manifesting God's presence as he hovers over the water. We see the Trinity present. One thing that we learn from this account and many, many other accounts is that the Son and the Spirit are the sent ones, and the Father, he's doing the sending. Different functions, one God. We also see the Trinity in the redemption of humanity. In your story and my story, we see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit coming in the rescue plan. In other words, God does the planning Jesus carries out the plan, and then the Spirit comes to sustain and manifest God's presence in the life of the church. So who is God? Big question. God is three in one. Well, where is God, Andy? Uh, maybe a better question is where isn't God, right? Reminds me of a story of a, uh, a mother, a Jewish mother, who was struggling with her two boys, uh, eight and ten years old. They were unruly, giving her such a hard time. And there was a rabbi um, in the synagogue just down the street. And she had heard from another one of the Jewish moms that that rabbi has a really good way of straightening out young boys. So she thought, I need some help. She talked to the rabbi. Rabbi said, send me the boys. Send me the youngest one first to my office. So the youngest boy, eight years old, walks out the door down the street and into the, the synagogue and sits down with the rabbi. And the rabbi looks across the table and says, where is God? And the young boy just looks, blank stare, no idea. And so the rabbi leans forward just a bit in his chair and says, where is God? The young boy's eyes start to get larger, no response. Now he's leaning on his arms across the desk and he says, where is God? The little boy's mouth drops open and the rabbi then stands up with his long beard almost touching the desk and says, where is God? And the little boy jumps up and runs out the door, back down the street, into his house and into his closet. And the 10-year-old boy starts to panic because he thinks he's next. And he goes in to talk to his little brother and opens up the closet and said, what happened? And his little brother looks up to him with wide eyes and says, we are in such big trouble. God is missing and they think we did it. Where is God? Where is God? The truth is, God is everywhere. In fact, the term we use is omnipresent, meaning that he is all present. He is present everywhere at once. And I hope that this actually becomes extremely comforting to you because the psalmist says it this way in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. 
Friends, that is so comforting because he is there. He is there in the pain, there in the challenge. He's there in the loss. He's there in the difficulty and in the confusion. He's there when you're angry. He's there when you're frustrated. He is there. God is omnipresent. Where is God? God is everywhere, but he chose to come to us and to reveal himself to us in Jesus. There's this wonderful story that really parallels the day because today is Baptism Sunday. Wonderful story of the baptism of Jesus. And at the baptism of Jesus, the Trinity is present. Here is God the Son, born of the Virgin Mary, and now grown up in Palestine, and beginning his ministry, he steps into the waters of baptism, and here's what the Bible says in Matthew 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so the Trinity is present here as the Son comes to reveal himself to us. Where is God? Everywhere. But he remains with us forever. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. So Jesus came and revealed God to us. The Spirit stays to testify of Jesus to us. So how do we look at this Trinity when we think about where God is? Think about it this way. The Father is God over. The Son is God with. And the Spirit is God in. So how do we relate to God? I'm actually closing, if you can believe it, because we want to do some baptisms, don't we? So how do we relate to God? I would say we relate to God, this triune God, with faith and with trust. You may say, why? And I'll say, because God is not just all-powerful and all-present, but God is omniscient, all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knows it all. Nothing is a surprise to him. And because of this, Jesus says in Matthew 6, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. They're not the pursuit. Worry doesn't lead to satisfaction. It's faith and trust. And that's how we relate to God. But you know what we're talking about in regard to God being three in one, this idea of a triune God, this has been something that the Christian church has had to wrestle through. And way back in AD 325, the church was plagued with divisions and confusions surrounding the nature of God. And so, at this point in AD 325, they agreed to anchor themselves in a creed. And this creed is known as the Nicene Creed. And the Nicene Creed was developed as a way to settle the truth about the nature of God and put to rest all of the confusion. And so I want to ask you, as we close up this message, 
to join me in, in, in saying, we're going to say it together, sections of the Nicene Creed. Because you'll see how powerfully they reinforce the idea of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I invite you now to say this with me. Are you ready? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. Amen. Amen. That's good truth. So the worship team's going to come, and in just a moment, we're going to sing again that song that's called This I Believe. It's known as the Creed, and it's actually the Apostles' Creed, which was another of the ancient creeds that helped the people hold on to truth. But what's our response? I've been talking to how we relate to God, but what's our response? When we're putting our faith and trust in the triune God, what does that actually mean? I want to give you three simple, simple phrases. Number one, it means bowing to the Father. And this, for some of us, is very difficult because it requires us to submit to something other than just what we want or who we are or what we desire or what we think is right. It's a submission to the reality that God is the one who is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. And so he invites us to bow, to bow to his plan, to his authority, and to his will. Bowing to the Father. That's what it means to put your faith and your trust in a triune God. It also means receiving the Son. You see, because in Jesus, we understand salvation and forgiveness. And we receive the work of Jesus by repenting and confessing that he is Lord. And so we do that. We bow to the Father. We receive the Son. And thirdly, understanding and putting your faith and trust in the triune God means being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, this is where we make the invitation. We make the invitation. We're we are saying, God, you empower us. You direct us. You lead. You be our advocate and our counselor, our convictor, our comforter. We invite him in. And isn't it amazing that the God who actually flung all the stars into space waits for your invitation? How is it possible that this infinite God values and honors this finite being so much. It's absolutely incredible. It truly is mind-blowing. But God waits, and he says, invite me. Invite me, and I will come, and you will be filled. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the infinite, powerful God that you are, and we determine in our own hearts as we declare truth again, just in a moment, Lord, as we say what we believe, we declare, Lord, that we are bowing to you, Father God. 
We are receiving you, Son of God, and we are asking to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.